Kia ora and welcome to Candidate Korero. I'm Ethan Manera. And I'm Zoe Mills, and we are the Salient News Editors. This is our 2023 election podcast, where we'll be chit-chatting with local candidates and the big dog party leaders to break down the dense and boring party politics and show students what's on offer this election season. Keep an eye out for all the upcoming interviews with Wellington Central and Rongatai candidates, and check out the written interviews each week in Salient. So let's just get right into it. So you've been in politics for a while now, long before most of the students today would have been alive. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what New Zealand First stands for? Oh, look, uh, I've been in politics a long time. That's true. But I was a uh, person with my own law practice and a very successful one at that. And um, I also was a former primary and secondary school teacher before going into the law. And uh, before that, I worked for BHP in Newcastle as a blast furnace worker in a very dangerous job and uh, 11 miles through the underground in the Snowy Mountain Scheme as a second class tunneler. How did you find that? Well, the pay was uh, very, very, very good, but it was pretty, uh, like, 24-7. By that, I mean you could work seven days if you wanted to, and you work 16 hours in two shifts at a time. And uh, it was uh, nothing, no social life, just work. And the job also had a risk and danger because in that um, series of uh, tunnels in the Snow Mountains, they died a, a man a mile died in the measurement they used to use back then. So what is New Zealand First campaigning on this election? What are your main priorities? Our main priorities is to focus on the things that have seen this country dramatically change in a very short time and for the worse. In uh, the 2020 election, Labour took all the credit for things that they had not done and the media allowed them to get away with it doing that, having been bribed by the Public Interest Fund, Journalism Fund, which uh, we had stopped and they were told, well, New Zealand First and that guy are stopping you from getting paid uh, about $55 million plus. And so they turned venomous in that campaign. We understand that. But um, we're back and we're campaigning seriously hard and everything's pointing in the right direction and the wind's behind us now big time because we're focusing on the things that people really cons- are concerned about. Yeah. And that is not ripping our democracy apart with all sorts of um, tweaking and changes which are anti-democratic. They are focusing on the massive cost of living affecting everybody now. They're focusing on crime and gangs and illegal drugs. And also the health system is a total mess in a very short time. So those fundamentals we're campaigning on. And then reminding people of the attack on their fundamental rights and lack of transparency that came in 2021. So that's what your main goals are. What about for students? Well, no, I was only going to say that in 2021, uh, the then government of Labour by themselves went from being so-called good government, according to everybody else, in which uh, 455 national party voters voted for them in 2020. New Zealand First has gone month after month since then. It's been an absolute mess. And you could be a big-time Labour supporter, but you can't deny the, mess, the number of screw-ups, the number of ministers going, and the confidence reveals that experience and a handbrake and common sense in government is important. It's what's missing, and that's why New Zealand First is campaigning so hard now. But in uh, 2021, and by October, they were bringing in these arbitrary rules to make people who didn't agree with them second-class citizens, mandating them out of a job, and out of a career, and shutting down businesses all over the country. Shut down the South Island without one case of COVID. Shut down Northern on the suspicion of COVID. They're going to pay a price in this campaign for that sort of arbitrary, dictatorial behaviour. So you've got a lot to say about the Labour government, and you've ruled out working with Labour. I ruled them out because they simply lied to me about the secret agenda they had based on race, where a 
certain group in our society, of which I happen to be one, gets in the special privileges and greater powers of democracy and say than anybody else. That is anti-democracy. They did it under the table, and when I found out, I said, we're never going to rule and go into government with them again. Yeah, so you're going to go with National, which will go with the ACT Party. Now you're an educated guy. You just assume that because one is gone, the other one is in play. No, the answer to that is that the public of New Zealand will decide who the next government will be because they are the master in case the media don't understand that or the purpose behind your question predicated that way doesn't grasp that. Yeah, but the there's two... Decide, the people will decide who goes with what. And when they've spoken, then we'll all know... Me, after I've consulted with my caucus and the board of my party, I don't make unilateral, dictatorial, authoritarian decisions. But you have ruled out the Labour Party, so that only leaves... We all have, yes. ...the National Party and ACT, which, with ACT's current policies, would be one of the most right-wing governments we've seen in a long time. What would New Zealand first I didn't come to this uh, interview with Salient to talk about the National Party, the ACT Party, or any other party, but a party called New Zealand First, the most successful new party, the third most successful new party since 1893 when party political organisations began in this country. Yeah. You won't mind me saying that, but I'm not going to have you doing what the mainstream media do. Come to my meeting today, wall to wall, and want to talk about the other parties. See what I mean? Okay. Well, let's talk about New Zealand First. transparently unfair to your listeners if you don't talk about the party that they briefly can have got a chance to hear about in this interview. No, that's fair enough. I'd love to talk about, about your party and your policies. So I want to hear what you guys have to say for students. So in 2017, you campaigned on wiping all student debt. Why didn't you do that in government? And do you still, are you still I committed to it now? I never campaigned on wiping all student debt at all. I campaigned where we needed critical students out in the provinces in future careers to pay down their debt, write their debt off if they would go, and say, I'm going to work in the West Coast, I'm going to work up north, and I'm going to work in some town on the East Coast or some part around the rural New Zealand, provincial New Zealand, that needed specialist-trained graduates. And I was saying then that if you go there, then we're going to write your debt off. But where did you get the idea I said we're going to write off all student debt? Well, looking at it today, your policy was to write off student debt over a five-year period for $4.6 billion. Was that not your policy? Where's that policy written? I can get it up if you'd like to. <laughs> no, don't get it up. On stuff, Winston Peters promises the... to wipe student loans by no. Henry Cook on J- June 26, well, 2017. Mr Cook didn't write what the policy was. Okay, so it was I misrepresented know what this policy was because for a long time and for almost 30 years, we're the unique party that believes in a universal student allowance. That's our approach. And why it was important? Because when student loans came in, first brought in by the Labour Party, they promised by National to change... It went to student loans, and even then it was forecastable that the biggest one-off item of university education in this country would be debt, with students leaving university owing more money without a job than their parents with one. Okay, so is Blame that, the old parties for that policy. Is that your current policy? You still support universal student allowance? We are still very strong in favour of universal student allowance, but I've just done the latest fiscals on the way up in here as well over the last hour in the, driving in the car. And we are saying to ourselves that the situation is so dire that all these promises other political parties are making cannot be fulfilled. They haven't got the money and they're just meeting, misleading people terribly. So all we've got to do is deal now with the basics as fast as we can for the next two or three years and try and help people that way because the promises they're hearing now are irresponsible in the extreme. To get there, they have to massively increase debt and our country's in a serious debt crisis now. Yeah, so let's talk about some of some of the basics that you want to deal with. Housing and cost of living are two of the biggest issues that students face. On your website, you don't seem to have any real housing or cost of living policy specifically. What will you do? We'll start with housing. What will you do to Im- improve the housing situation for students, especially the rental market? 
Well, first of all, the New Zealand First policy has always been to confront the resource management legislation and all those requirements for getting a permit to build a house in the first place. That is costing up to one third of the contract to get a house. The second thing, which is on our website as well, and in speeches I've made, unfortunately not covered by the mainstream media, and that's why you don't know, is that I've said that we are going to have to see that commodity pricing of housing is not 45% higher in cost than Australia. There's no excuse for this. And when we've, having said that, we need to make sure that the land is available and that, that, that we encourage, above all, the use of wood, because we are the most efficient, cheap wood product, good wood product uh, grower in the world. So these things are things we could change dramatically. But just to make sure that this can't work, the other parties are for and are saying nothing against. 100,000 immigrants come to this country in the next, in this current year. 100,000 is a sugar hit driving every cost up and will be inflationary. And one party's against that, and that party's New Zealand First. We are going to tell people about real housing potential policy and not fake policy where you make all the promises in the world and anybody with half a brain knows it's going to get worse. Okay. Now, I know you don't want to look sideways to the other parties, but the other people have um, proposed some housing policies. So the Greens have rent controls, a 3% cap on how much landlords can increase rent per year. Do you support that? No, I don't. Okay, National are proposing tax cuts for landlords in the form of reinstating interest deductibility. Do you support that? We are looking at two areas um, in respect to those policies, and we are announcing us very, very shortly and well before the special votes in this country, which is on the 2nd of October. People will know by then what our policies are. But That's two what, weeks before the election, though. That's pretty... That's oh, pretty no, it's not two weeks before the election. For the people who special vote on the 2nd of October, that is their election day. Right. If they special vote on the 3rd of October, that is their election day. And that's why we'll make sure they'll have it before they go to vote. Are you able to give us a little bit of an insight now into what your housing policy will be? Though? Well, I was getting there until you started uh, arguing with me. Okay, go what, ahead then. What date the election started. <laughs> Let me just tell you, uh, for overseas voters, it starts on the 27th of September. But they'll have time if they're conscientious on this question um, when you talk about it. But depreciation, yes, if it's for a rent and a reasonable rent purpose. All these things all to do with the question of reasonableness. But please don't ask me to talk about the green policies because they're in la-la land. Right, OK. We'll they're, we'll no, move. they're absolutely in la-la land. They've got a thousand ways to spend money and not one way to earn money. How they get by at home and make their budget count, I won't know. And I don't know because they just do not have any rational sane sense and most of them have never run a business of their own. I have, and I know what it's like to hire staff. I know the cost of having to carry the thing and do all the problems yourself. Cost of living, that's another basic. What's your plan to combat the cost of living crisis? Well, two things have happened in particular. We've allowed the supermarkets to become a duopoly and to make charges in this country that they don't charge back in the lands in which they come. We're going to change all that by busting through the duopoly. The second thing is we're not going to go along with a groceries commissioner promised 15 months ago by Labor to happen a 12 year a month ago by Labor, that's a year ago, and only delivered three weeks ago, just before the election, as some sort of fake image that they are concerned. If they were concerned, they'd have had the groceries commissioner 12 months ago and with some real powers. That's not happened. But we're going to have an inquiry into grocery prices with real powers, like they do overseas. And just to make sure that people aren't confused about how you pay for your groceries, we're going to have a full-scale bank inquiry to see why the Aussie banks been, have been caught ripping off the Australian bankers, bank customer in Australia is not ripping off New Zealand customer for Aussie banks in New Zealand. 
Those are two profound things we're going to do. And we're the only parties who ever argue for those two things. Mm. Yeah, on groceries, I was looking through your 2023 policy commitments, and one of them is to remove GST off basic food. We can't go ahead with that any longer since the preview came out just a few days ago on the 12th of uh, September. So that's been scrapped, that policy? Well, no, we are not scrapping it. We are saying we're going to have a full-scale look at that in the environment of how we can make it work. But when you see economic figures that are dramatically concerning, you have to respond to them. What we are going to look at is see what we can do with respect to costs, supermarket costs, banking costs, and dare I say it, uh, cut people's taxation as soon as we possibly can. But everyone out there who's a realist knows that we're in economic trouble and we've all got to put have, have our shoulders to the wheel, so to speak, to get on top of it. Yep. So that policy's on the back burner now. Yes, when we made it, we said uh, the moment the preview came out, um, it became my suspicion. I said there's going to be a $20 billion hole over four years. I was only wrong in one respect. It's worse than that. Yeah. So I do want to talk about this, your 2023 policy commitments, because looking on your website, you don't have any concrete policies. Thank you, this is on your website. There's no concrete policies. It's the 2023 policy commitments thing that I have in front of me, and it's about 30 bullet points with sort of vague ideas of policies. You know, you look at some things you have as <laughs> under New Zealand first, mandates will end, right? Well, what's vague about that? Mandates ended almost a year ago. There's it's no really vaccine that. mandates no, in New Zealand. With great respect, the consequence of mandates did not end a year ago. People what, lost you're not a talking lot. about the consequence, though. Yes, it is. It is. I am talking about the consequence, and I've made countless speeches of it, and I've packed the halls, bigger halls than any other political leader in this campaign, and none of you have covered it. So you just cannot come along to an interview like this and tell me what I've been telling people because it's been spelt out in my speeches. And I was publishing all those speeches and they never published one word of it. Well, on your on your website, there is no policy regard, besides the statement that under New Zealand First, vaccine mandates will end. Vaccine mandates, the last of them, for health and workforce, health workforce staff, ended on the 26th of September well, last no, year. No, 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 with respect. I'm talking about having a full-scale inquiry because the future behaviour of learning from COVID-19 has to be shaped by our learnings. And mandates are still part of the prospect of all these political parties in Parliament, excepting one. I'm against mandates. People have got a right to choose. They've got a right to say no and not be gaslit out of their economic existence. Right. I feel like you're gaslighting me a little bit here because mandates have ended. But um... Look, you keep on saying that. The mandate policy has not ended. And when people have been lost everything, got no compensation whatsoever, or taken vaccine and got seriously injured even though they will deny it, the so-called experts will deny it, but internationally it's evidence everywhere now, that means that their policies have not ended, and my job is to stop it going on into the future. Okay, fair enough. Now we'll move on to some of the other ones in these policy commitments. There's another statement here, which has just sort of confused me a little bit. It's number 18, and it says, we will provide tax incentives to promote added value. And? Are you able to tell me what that what that means well, in practice? Of course I can. It's not. I can point you to Taiwan. I can point you to Ireland. I can point you to Singapore. All dramatically successful economies that went straight past us with policies like that. It means if you add value and you increase the value of the wealth of that product before it goes offshore and make money for the family in New Zealand when you sell it at a higher price offshore, I'm going to incentivise your taxation to do that more and more and be more successful. So higher there's taxes nothing, on exports. No, it's it's. Um, I don't know what you do for economics at this university, but it means dramatically reduced taxes for exporters. Where would you think it would be higher taxes? Well, you said it creates more money. Well, it creates more money, but Ireland charges them 12%. 
right? Taiwan gave them a seven-year tax break. No tax at all. Right. Because they realised no business, no added value, no uh, workforce means no economy. I understand that. I've been there, spoken to the ministers of finance, spent two times speaking to a guy called Lee Kuan Yew, one of the greatest minds in this world. And if you're surprised by this uh, policy, then you clearly have been listening to the wrong politicians and you haven't read enough. Okay. Next one. New Zealand First is going to restore education and stop indoctrination by removing gender ideology from the curriculum, especially for primary school. Yes. Gender education is not in the curriculum for primary school. I know. But it's being taught now. And if you don't know that, you don't know that, you should get out and ask a whole lot of parents who are all screaming blue murder about that. Because they are teaching gender identification. They're starting as young as eight years of age in the primary schools. I'm a former primary and secondary school teacher with a brother with a headmaster, two brothers of headmasters, one the head of the training college up north uh, in the north. I think I do know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just just a bit confused. If you want to contest that and you want to be confused, you go right ahead. But the parents aren't confused. I want, if you're going to be sex education, fine, like it used to be. But it's not now. It's gender education, sexual education. All sorts of statements are being made. And the evidence is out there profoundly, and parents are seriously worried about it, for which there was never permission, a mandate, or any in any manifesto. But if you're confused about that, read more. I've, I'm reading here. I've actually got the document in front of me, education.govt.nz, what will my child learn? And it outlines, at primary school, children will likely learn about the human body, friendships, different kind of families, consent respect for themselves. In later years of primary school, they learn about puberty, body development, human reproduction, different types of relationships, and risks and issues that can arise online. Then at secondary school is when they start learning about gender and sexuality. It's not in, it's not in primary school. Look, you, uh, look, there's an old English saying, the melody of the ignorant is being without knowing it. And on this matter, you're ignorant. In the primary schools, they are teaching it. I can show you thousands of parents who are concerned about it and have got knowledge of this matter. And, dare I say it, teachers. So you go right ahead and say it's not happening, and they say it is. How, is, know, it, how know, is it happening if it's I know not happening? I know who I trust, the people who haven't got a vested interest in telling something that's not true. So how is it happening if it's not in the curriculum? Is it just teachers uh, don't using their own discretion to teach this? Of course it is. And that's what you want to get rid of? Well, why shouldn't it? Because they've got no permit, no authority, no mandate to do it. Okay. Policy number 31 New Zealand First will introduce no men in women's spaces or sports. And your problem is? Are you just able to elaborate and tell me why this is an election issue? Yes, an election issue, because if you're talking about sport and you've got a biological advance over someone in, say, a weightlifting contest, this is grossly wrong. It's simply cheating, and women all over the world, from all sorts of political persuasions, are saying that. Now, the second thing is, if you've got a male appendage and you're going to a woman's toilet... As they are, and as happened before you start smiling and laughing. But why are we here talking about male appendages? Because you raised it. Because you raised it in your question, and you're going to hear the answer now. Why do you think Nicola Sturgeon, number one minister in Scotland, went? Because she allowed someone to do that, and that person murdered someone, precisely in the circumstances about which I speak. And down at Invercargill, it arrives at their swimming pool, and all over this country, women have written to me about their concern, not just for themselves, but their girls are not going to toilets at school because they're fearful of what might happen to them. And I'm going to respond to that, and that's why we say there's going to be men's toilets, there'll be women's toilets, and there'll be unisex toilets. But is this really an election-leading issue to talk about male appendages and bathrooms? 
You know, well, New Zealand. Uh, with respect, it is a big issue. Thousands and thousands of people are concerned about it. And with respect, what do you know about politics to tell me what election issues you are? Well, I'm just saying, New Zealand. No, 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 no. I've never heard someone so young, so ignorant, come and confront the longest-standing politician in this country and tell, tell them what an election issue is. When people tell me their concerns, I respond to them. I don't gaslight them. I don't say it doesn't happen. I don't say something stupid like uh, the two leaders of Labour National did and said, that guy's on another planet. We'll see in this election who's on the planet and we'll see at our meetings because my meetings are wall to wall and women are coming in there thousands to my meetings because they see someone prepared to defend the number one thing that they've got a right to and it's called human safety. Do you know that the number of reported cases of women being assaulted in toilets and changing rooms by transgender women in New Zealand? Do I know if there have been cases? Yes, I do. And recent ones as well. Do I know the total number of cases? No, because when people are cowed out of making complaints, and women will tell you that, if you're listening and you're paying attention, they'll tell you how they're cowed out of making complaints. But the fact is, do I believe it happens? Yes, I do. Okay. There's been no reported cases through the police? Oh, that's, that, well, that's false for a start. That's absolutely and totally false. There's a big one going on the social media as we speak where this was told to them and they failed to act. Let's move along from policy. Let's talk a bit about your campaign. Your campaign slogan, let's take our country back. Who are we taking it back from? Who's who's got a hold of the country currently? What do you think the name of this country is? Aotearoa New Zealand. New Zealand officially. Aotearoa is bulldust. Aotearoa is a name from French Polynesia. It's a construct of a colonialist called William William Pember Reeves. Hopefully you're learning about him, this colonialist, in uh, 1980 in New Zealand who's a big character in our history. It's his idea. Never in the Maori world, never in from uh, when we came from uh, all those years ago. It came from French Polynesia, and they recognised that name. And if you go back to Treaty of Waitangi, 6th of February, 1840, no one was calling that name. And it's certainly not the name Fungai Tau in the South Island because it's the green treasure to Waiponamu. And so I make a statement that is so true, they can't refute it. And without any mandate, any plebiscite, any referendum... You just decided to change the country's name. But that's the, amazing. That's ar- no, that's the ultimate arrogance because we have spent billions trying to sell our product and we're an export-dependent nation to people all over the world to keep ourselves alive. And just to make sure they don't know where the product's coming from, you have to change the name in the middle without any referendum, plebiscite or authority. I don't stand by when people act that way. I want them to tell me why they thought they could change the flag. At least Key had to go to referendum. And he lost, didn't he? Mm. So is that- and even on the question of um, legalising marijuana, we went to referendum and they lost. So I'll live with the referendum, but I won't live with a decision made by the elite in Wellington in, in this town, or dare I say it, in Auckland, making up their minds what the rest of the country will do. Mm. No, no, I call it democracy. Yeah, so what's your, what's your stance on it? Would you like and to so see it We're going to make sure that doesn't happen. We're going to make sure we don't bust with co-government the democracy of this country where every vote's the same. We're not going to see the water just divided up on the basis of race. Where everybody in the South Island is not cutting Ngaitahu who will have no say at all because Ngaitahu will have half the say, but on every decision it must be 75% consensus. Now they've got a veto. No ordinary Maori wants that. And then you've got them teaching all this stuff at our schools and universities. You've got them teaching in our universities about the Treaty of Waitangi about Maori didn't cede sovereignty, about the Maori having a governmental role on the day of the treaty. This is hilarious nonsense when you consider if you call the British an empire and colonialists, they weren't here to start a co-government. And famous guy called Ngata who wrote a thesis on that, a man who got his law degree in two years flat, which is a record for a student in this country, a Maori at that, and he got a law degree and he wrote a book 101 years ago which refuted utterly what you're teaching at your universities. And I'm, up. I'm here to stop the taxpayers' money being wasted teaching students 
ignorance and myth. Back to policy. A big thing that um, young people are focused on is climate change. Now, I'm struggling to see much climate change policy in your manifesto here. So well, what is your stance well, on climate attention. change? I began New Zealand first with a series of fundamental principles 30 years ago. And one of them was that sound environmentalism is sound economics. It's in the founding principles of our party and uniquely in our party. The second thing you've got to ask yourself is, what's the proportion of uh, you know, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? Do you know what it is? I don't. Well, I do. What is it? It's less than 4%. And of that, the human uh, contribution to that is less than uh, 0.03%. So maybe we've got a problem with the uh, narrative that you're putting out there. I want to fix up the pollution, clean this country up big time, yes. But I'm not going to go out there and startle and frighten a whole lot of uh, young people in particular and tell them that the world's going to come to an end and it's finished. No one I know the biggest tsunami this uh, world's ever seen happened in 1968. No one I know there have been hotter periods in our country's history a long time ago, and it's all there in the, the, um, the geological evidence. And not what I know, that Esk Valley had that flooding, flooding in 1938, almost 100 years ago, the same they had at Cyclone Gabriel. I'm going to make sure people hear the truth and not get panicked into making statements and behaving where we contribute to 0.17% of the world's carbon emissions. China's doing nothing, India's doing nothing, Russia's doing nothing, the United States is virtually nothing, and you're going to bust our economy trying to uh, virtue signal to the rest of the world. I've watched those politicians doing that, and they are the young people of this country's worst nightmare because they're lying to them. Right. So you believe in climate change, but not human-made climate change? There's always been climate change. Do you know what the effect of that uh, massive volcano in Tonga was recently? Tell me. (laughs) Well, more than any effect for anything for the last 10 years. Just like that. But no, no, because you start out with a narrative of fear in which you think you're the expert, and that's a sad thing about it because all science is about constant re-evaluation and study. And if you look back over history, there have been periods when things have been... We've only been measuring this sort of thing for about 100 years. We've only been measuring for 100 years. My country was uh, New Zealand, uh, was the people who got the rig ready and did the deep um, investigation of Antarctica. It's a New Zealand firm that did that. It's a fantastic experience to look at it, because guess what it looks like? All the evidence was as if the bananas and all these tropical fruits were growing down there in a former time. So please don't tell me that anything's <laughs> new. Right? right. Okay. So I want to get back to the formation of the government, if you were to get back in, right? So you've ruled out Labour, which would mean you'd go with National and Act. No, see, so you started with a premise... But surely, look, you're not going to get... Okay, well, t- you tell me how get, things will You're not go. going to get top grades if you jump from A to C without getting to B. You've got to make it add up. I said to you that my caucus and my board, when the people have spoken first, this is what's called democracy. They're the master. Every other political party and all the media reacting as other people don't matter. And I think that's an appalling situation under a, a democratic country, which is only one of nine in the world who can make that claim since 1854. But it is still important to know if, if students, if voters are going to vote for New Zealand First, what sort of government would they get with that vote? I've made it very clear in my speeches, and a lot of students are coming to my speeches and not with my speech today. A whole lot of young people came to my speech today, getting their vote for the first time. And I've said we need a new government, but a much, much better government. Yep. If it's my turn now to do what and no change, we're in for a disaster. We're staring down the third world and Venezuela. But what would that government look like? Well, you have to evaluate all the political parties' policies now. 
And you've got to say, at the end, I could sit here and go on for the next day telling you about all the things that other leaders might say on this uh, program and waste your time and waste all the students' time. I don't think I would like to hear it. I, it's not a waste of my time. So we've spoken about the Greens. You said they're in la-la land. Well, I know you're not well, too well, keen on... Well, you know they are. I mean, the Greens want us to get ready for the new world to take, a, uh, to take regard to climate change. To do that, and everything that... What uh, do you mean, the new world? Well, well, the new world, to do that... EV cars and all the solar power, all that is about 98% required extraction. Okay, so that's, that's uh, the no, Greens. No, 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 no. And they're Which anti- is very short for time. And here, they're sorry. anti-mining. And they're anti-mining. So how does that work? You're pro-mining? I am pro-mining, yes, because you can't do the modern world without it. Okay, so that's the Greens. You spoke about Labour Look, early. you're sitting in an office. Everything around you is the result of mining and extraction, and you're anti-mining. I'm not saying I'm Grow not saying I'm anything. I'm Grow interested up. to hear what you have to now, say. You're putting, their, you're putting their point of view, and I'm saying, look around this thing. 98% of this room is extraction, and you don't like it. I do like it. Well, don't be a hypocrite. Come find a new job. <laughs> because if you've got this job in the new world, you're going to need extraction. Okay. Big time. Okay. So that's the Greens. La La Land. Bulldust. <laughs> your words. The Labour Party. Not keen on them. Well, you know, if the Greens have been around for 51 years and have never been inside a cabinet, for over half a century, never had a cabinet minister. Maybe just maybe they're a waste of the students' time. Okay. We'll wrap it up. We've got, I've got two more quick questions. The first one, you've been doing this politics game for a hell of a long time. It's not a game. It's serious. It's serious. This, this serious it's a, politics it's a, it's business. It's a mission. You, you've been on this mission for a very long time. Why do you want to get back into it? Parliament looks like a terrible place to be. Why do you want another three years? I never thought of that because, frankly, when things go wrong, then you've got to do something and set it right. And things have gone dramatically wrong. And I think that the country needs a party called New Zealand First that has got experience and common sense uh, and, above all, certainty. The country needs now not to have a new cabinet starting where nearly all of them have never been inside a cabinet before. The leader has never been in cabinet before, never been a minister. Yeah. Now, you will need experience. And we looked at it very hard and said, look, we collectively said we're going to do something about this and we set out on the road a long time ago to bring this party back to Parliament and we believe to government. Okay. And final question, very open-ended. We just want to hear your pitch to voters and students. Why should young people vote for yourself for New Zealand First? Well, if they were listening clearly to the interview you just heard and paying attention, I would have given enough reasons already. However, uh, you could say all the things and they'll make all the statements, but let me tell the students that the worst prospect that I'm trying to stop happened when I was young, OE meant you went overseas for overseas experience. Now, prospecting for our students is going OF. That's overseas forever. And that's a loss to New Zealand, and I'll do everything I can to provide the policies, both our students and when you leave university, for a future in the, cont- the country that should be, as it once was, the greatest country on earth. Great. Thank you so much. That was a great interview. <laughs> Very rigorous. Well, why not? <laughs>